Welcome back to the Real Estate People Podcast, the podcast for the people in real estate. How's that for a tagline? You like it? I love it. We got we to come up with something there. I'll just uh, keep spitballing with it. Hey, we're in the middle of a series right now called, have we named it? I don't even know if we've named it yet. It's like the home buying process. You got people who have you know, decided they want to buy a home and it's a confusing process. There's lots of steps. So we're taking like nine or 10 weeks to, to walk through every single step of the way. We've talked about a little intro of ourselves. By the way, again, my name's Eric and- I'm Nick Jambra. This is Nick, the man. And uh, we, we've did a, we did a little intro on ourselves and how we met. We've talked about um, vetting your agent, how to pick a good real estate agent. We've talked about um, the pre-approval process. And we had Amanda on the episode talking about you know the the- lending what's your budget that kind of stuff um we got a little bit into um what was what was the search yeah like actually determining what you want yeah and like being very clear about that as being an important part of the process yeah and then offers once you find something that you like how do you submit an offer what does a contract look like and then for this episode we had a great conversation with one of our favorite attorneys one of the most confusing things for me as a new agent, and I think for a lot of home buyers, is all the legal jargon, all the paperwork, all the things. And I think a lot of people maybe don't even know what an attorney actually does for them and how to find one and you know how to navigate that process. So we invited Mark Longo to come on the podcast, and we had a great conversation with him. I think so. Like the guy is a wealth of information. Uh, he's been practicing real estate for 31 years. The firm's been open for... I mean, he'll tell us, but a hundred something years. Yeah. He's got a lot of experience helping people buy and sell. And there's no better person, in my opinion, and I apologize, than Mark Longo to speak on this with us for the, the audience that, you know, may be thinking like, is now the best time to jump into home ownership? Yeah. He's got such a way about him. Like when you meet him, he's such a boss. You can tell that he's just like, He's a smart, powerful guy, but he's also so approachable. So it's this cool like mixture of I respect it so there's just some really successful people I know that like when I see them, they're just so calm, cool, and like collected, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, how the hell did you get like that? You know what I mean? Because right. you could be successful and be crazy, or you could be successful and s- still have like a lot of flow and trust the process. Right. And it seems like something Mark does. Like he's successful, he understands but he's still got a lot of flow in life. And that's why like success is just keeps coming around him because he's attracting what he's putting out. Yeah. So we are super grateful for him to, to come and spend some time with us. And uh, without further ado, we're going to jump over to that conversation. So the, the real estate people out there can. The can first contingency it. in your fully executed yeah. contract is getting through that attorney approval. But what does that mean? And that's what we're going to tell you today. hundred percent. Here we go. Introducing real estate people. Hey, where are the bills? What are you talking about, Willis? We're the real estate people. People, 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 people. So, a few words that some people in this person's life have said about him, like that he manages. He's an excellent boss. He's a go-getter. He's willing to sit back and help. Always answers questions. Never talks down to you. Great communicator. 
hustles harder than anyone they know. Always knows what's up, easy to talk to, great energy, approachable, always available to talk, leads by example, and an overall good mentor are some of the things this person's team had to say about him. And we are honored and elated to be on a show with him today. Yeah, you know, let's let's let have him sit here for a little while and feel uh, a little embarrassed or, you know, like, oh, shucks, guys. Accomplished. But when I, yeah, so accomplished. When I first met you, I felt that way. Like, I, I felt like the way that you carry yourself. And from, the, from day one, I noticed the connections that you have and your ease in a crowd and with people. You just have a way about you that you're a great connector of people. And, uh, and I've heard great things about you even before I met you. So, uh, that first time I was excited to meet you and I feel like you just, you know, you were so kind and, uh, approachable, you know? Thank you. Thank you. That's, <laughs> yeah. those are awesome, awesome words. I am humbled to be here, quite frankly. Which is not necessarily the case with very successful people. Most of the time they're not available or not around <clears throat> and every single person on the team that I talked to about this person had like amazing things to say about your leadership qualities, your mentorship and what you mean to them as a person and as a professional. And uh, we're here today with the famous Mark Longo from Block Longo. Will you intro your, the title of the, co the company? What's the name? Block Longo, Lamarca and Brzezinski. Got everybody there. Right. BLLB. Thanks for being on yeah. the podcast, Mark. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you. How does it feel me. to be Buffalo famous? That is a thing. <laughs> um, I don't really view it that way. I, I truly don't. I mean, I know you don't. You know, we we our firm started in 1933. Okay. Um, so we're going on close to 90 some years. Uh, I took over in 2000, and our primary focus is um, transactional work, residential, commercial, uh, real estate. Um, with side benefits of development and condominium and all that stuff. And really, quite frankly, what warms my heart when we do this every day, it's uh, it, as corny as it sounds, we allow people to fulfill the American dream, right? Home ownership. Biggest thing you can have in America is your home, your family, and everything like that. And uh, as I get older in the career, I see the next generation of gentlemen like you helping to fulfill that goal and uh, quite frankly honored to be with you guys and love to see what you're doing and how the business has changed over all these years. Mark, we see it the same way. Like we could look at what we do as a job or like a step further, we could look at it as a career, but we really look at the position that we're in today as like a calling. Like we have a calling to help people understand what real estate is, know how it could benefit them and then help deliver them what they're looking for. And we know that role that that piece of real estate plays in their life from a comfort angle, as you mentioned, a place to live, from a financial perspective, what that real estate can bring them financially in the future and what it means to be a homeowner. And then beyond that, you know, an investor and you take it as far as you want. There's tons of opportunity in real estate, but the core of this is helping people understand what real estate is and what it could mean to them if they do this, do this. Yeah. And I think like, the, the most successful people in any field, I feel, are the people who have found a calling within it, 
you know, they, they find a lot of purpose in it. That's like the ultimate thing that we as humans are looking for is some kind of major purpose for our life. Uh, and you know, we meet a lot of people that do jobs and they are miserable doing them. They're just doing it for the paycheck or whatever. And there's a lot of agents and there's a lot of attorneys and there's a lot of everyone who are just doing something and just kind of going through the motions. But, you know, I feel that the culture on our team, and it seems like the culture at your firm is you draw people in that feel that sense of purpose in it. You absolutely have to love what you do in life to succeed, first and foremost, yeah. right? You, you can't go to your office every day miserable and not wanting to be there. And one of the things we've created in the firm is that type of work environment. We have uh, lawyers, we have paralegals that have been with us 35 years, uh, 25 years, 20 years. We have offices from Buffalo to Manhattan and in Florida. And we try to bring the same culture. I talked to Nick this morning about how important culture is in an office. Yeah. And, you know, everybody has to be on the same page. Lawyers uh, do a certain thing. Paralegals do other things. But when you work together as a team and there's no, um, you know, combativeness within your team, it works smooth, right? Yeah. A lot of big firms treat staff like they're secondhand citizens. We don't do that. Not only do we pay our paralegals because they are probably one of the most important cogs in the wheel we have. We provide superior benefits. We've even gotten to the point where we travel together as a company, as a team. And, and that bonding that goes on with that, they're, all in, they're in the trenches with you no matter what. And it's huge, and huge. Mark, your culture is your moat around your business. That's what becomes your defense, right? How you treat people, how you show up for them, how you treat your consumers. That becomes your moat. And right. you're one of the highest producing real estate lawyers in this area. So I just want to rip some hot seat questions sure. on you real quick. Sure. How long have you been in business? The firm since 1933. I've been an attorney since 1990 doing this. How many people on your team? The entire firm, we have over 100 employees. Uh, I didn't 27 lawyers. And as I mentioned, 60, 73 staff, paralegals, support staff. How many offices? We have uh, Buffalo, Batavia, Rochester, Greece, Syracuse, um, Albany, Saratoga Springs, Manhattan, and then we have, we'll have two offices in Florida soon. How many states do you serve? We can close deals in um, New York, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Florida, Connecticut. You're just spitting it off. It's just like at the top <laughs> of your head. I'm so impressed. Yeah. How many transactions did your team do last year? 13,670. Wow. What are your goals this year, transaction volume? Um, well, we like to at least maintain the same level. Um, so, you know, what the down market, what really rewind for a little bit, COVID allowed us to grow exponentially. We saw it as an opportunity, especially in real estate, to grow our firm when a lot of other firms were struggling because they weren't doing what we were doing, we saw it as an opportunity to uh, gain market share, which we did. Now with the market, the way it is at the rates and the low inventory, we also see that as an opportunity. Last week, I traveled to Connecticut and New Jersey. The week before Florida, we're looking at acquiring other types of lawyers and smaller firms 
that have the same culture, same mindset, same philosophy that we have to bring them into our mold. Um, so our goal this year is to probably grow by another 10% in terms of staff. And hopefully with that staff gets market share in areas that we weren't servicing before, not necessarily residential. I mean, it was residential, but we weren't representing certain agents in certain agencies or loan officers in certain banks. Um, so we're expanding our market within our footprint. So you're going horizontal and vertical at the same time. Correct. Which doesn't take anything away from what you're currently doing. It just keeps adding more correct pieces to the puzzle. Correct. Wow, what a ride, man. Yeah. I didn't realize it was at that at that level, yeah. you know, because I'm I'm still relatively new to it. So I just I met you within the last probably year, right. you know. Right. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty good. We have again. I'm only the figurehead. Uh, the people that work for me and work with me make us look good. It's not about me. It's about the firm. And then how do we deliver the service to the customer, the client that makes you guys and you ladies look good? That's the ultimate goal. If we have one bad transaction, it comes back on you, right? And then our relationship gets tarnished. So mm. every client that comes into that door is the most important client we have. And everybody knows that. We say that a lot around here too. Yeah. It's not about us. You know what I mean? And that's there's a certain point in life where you start to really understand that. Like, And it normally happens when you hit something that's a lot bigger than you. And if you were the driving force of why you were doing that, you're never going to be able to get beyond it if the purpose is about you. Because shit happens mm. in life. And it's going to knock you down. And if you were looking at this as this is all about you, you're not going to be able to get back up. Correct. And clients can, people can see through that. You know, if you if it's about you and it's not about the client, they can see through it in a second. And I, so. I had to get over that as a real estate agent because I was somebody who was like growing up, like someone would knock on the door to sell us knives or sell us like vacuum cleaners. Remember people used to do that? Oh, yeah. And yeah. I used to hate that. I'm like, how right. dare you come to somebody's house in the middle of the day? <laughs> but when you approach that, my, when you approach that with vision and mission and this higher calling that we're talking about and knowing that what we're doing today is not about us sales is everything and sales mm -hmm. is awesome but when it's about the sale that's a very discouraging thing to a consumer right yeah i think we should probably pivot because you know the the point of this whole series we were talking a little bit before is for people who are who who are at a very base level surface level knowledge of real estate <laughs> Maybe they're buying their first home. Maybe they're selling their first home. Um, and we're going through a series right now that explains that process. And so one of the process, one of the parts of the process is having an attorney get involved. And so I think we, we'd like to ask some questions that maybe a person like that would ask so that this episode can help them to, to understand, you know, the process a little more. Absolutely. So at, the first question is like what what part of the pro what part of the home buying process do you come into play? So typically as an attorney we'll get involved sometimes on a weekend uh, sometimes a customer a client a purchaser or seller will have a question on a contract that's prepared over the weekend by an agent a realtor right they may have some questions at that point believe it or not in the entire state of New York and every office we have, the contracts are different. <laughs> in Erie County, for example, you, you can, as you know, you'll sign a contract, 
Once the attorney receives the contract, we have three business days to approve it or disapprove it. So when I get involved, typically 90% of the time, it's either that Monday morning or that night, whenever I first receive a contract from uh, the realtors that have prepared it, had all the parties sign it, I will then get it in an email. I will immediately call the customer, the client, the buyer, the seller, and go over the contract with them, making sure everything's fine. We have form contracts in Erie County. There are form contracts in Onondaga, in Monroe, in Albany. They're all different, believe it or not. Um, But in Erie County, and specifically, I will go over that contract with them as soon as I get it. I like to do it right away. It's fresh in everybody's mind. Monday morning, whenever it comes in, as long as I get the phone number for the customer, the client, I'll call them right away. I'll Mm -hmm. go over the approval with them. If everything's fine, we will send out what's called our attorney approval letter. That means the attorney has reviewed it. We've gone over it with the client, and everything's acceptable as to form of the contract. That's typically when we get involved. And that's the first contingency in a purchaser's contract to buy a house is you fully execute a contract. The first thing that happens, it goes to both respective parties' lawyers, and those lawyers have three days to approve or deny that contract that was signed. I got a quick question on that. How often do you issue a disapproval letter versus an approval letter? Very rare. Probably less than 1% of the deals that come across our desk do we disapprove it. Okay. And if a client says, hey, Mark, I'm having buyer remorse. I don't want this house anymore. All you need to do is send a letter that says, I, Mark Longo, represent purchaser. Purchaser is canceling the contract or I disapprove the contract. Correct. And if there's any money that's uh, changed hands prior to that time, the buyer would get it back. Whoever's placing the deposit. What's one of the reasons why you would disapprove it? You know, sometimes I've seen where, you know, a young couple signed a contract over the weekend and didn't want to lose the deal because of the demand um, and supply and demand. And then mom and dad want to take a look at it on Monday or Tuesday. And then uh, dad has problems with the house and doesn't think anything could be fixed. Yeah, doesn't think anything could be fixed. There might be some issues, but thinks it's way beyond what's reasonable. That's when I've done that. I've had people call me and say, you know, wait until the third day because I want somebody else to look at it as well. And then I'll hold off on my approval or disapproval until the final time, you know, day. So are, are you basically saying that the attorney approval process, the way it actually works is that you don't need three days to review the contract and see, like, it's not a matter of is. I guess it is a matter of is every is all the I's dotted and the T's crossed and everything is filled out properly, but it's really like a buffer time for the client. It is. It, it also because a lot, sometimes the maybe the attorney's not available; they're out of town. Okay. So the the way our contracts are written, we have three business days from the receipt of the signed contract to accept or disapprove it. Okay. Um, it's just more of a buffer for people's time frames and things like that. Maybe more so of the lawyer's time frame than it is the client. Okay. Mark, I have a quick question. If you're in that three-day window, three business days to approve or deny the contract, and you send your approval letter on the first day because buyer is okay with it, third day comes around, buyer changes their mind, you've already issued your approval letter, are you able to issue a disapproval letter and cancel it if you're within the three days? As long as the other attorney hasn't approved it. Okay. So when both attorneys approve the contract, that period's over. Binding, correct. Hmm. And then the buyer would jump into the next part of fulfilling that uh, purchase and sale agreement. What is that next part? Inspection. You know, they probably um, 
uh, we'll do the inspection and then typically have seven days to conduct your inspection. And then the inspection part is it's critical in my opinion, because in today's world, when the supply is very limited and the demand is high, people make rash decisions because mm-hmm. they think, you know, this is the house for me forever. And yet they don't see things that aren't readily noticeable, you know, when you're looking at it. So, you know, for a consumer, a purchaser to spend four or $500 and having a home inspection, it's the best money they can spend. Because there's things that, like I said, you can't see when you're walking through. Examples in basements, I've seen people put up paneling on basement walls just to hide cracks in walls and, yep. and water that infiltrates through behind the walls. Um, you know, those are the things that you want to know when you're spending, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on your your dream home, you know? Yeah. So it's the inspection, right? Critical, in my opinion. Yeah. We we get a cop. We typically get a copy of it, review it with the consumer. But a lot of times, I know you guys, which is a wonderful transition of how the realty world has has evolved in my career. Is twenty years ago, a realtor wouldn't twenty five years ago wouldn't even want to look at the inspection report. But I know today, you guys are more actively involved, which helps us, and and quite frankly, educates the your client. Um, and it's a wonderful transition because you're more involved from beginning to end. And that gives your client a comfort level that was never there before. However, if you're doing your job well as a real estate agent, when those items come up at the inspection, if you're doing your job well, they're not the first time that buyer heard that, right? Because that's the conversation that was had at the walkthrough. Correct. And beyond that, it's like, so we have a really high conversion rate from signing contracts to getting through uh, inspections because it's not the first time buyers hear these things when the inspector tells them that, mm-hmm. right? They understand some of it is par for neighborhood or yes, this is something we're going to need to get looked at more. And then because you have that conversation at the beginning and it's not the first time they heard it, it's easier to absorb this information at that point of the deal and then make the best decision on how to move forward or not at that point. Correct. And then there's some negotiation that goes involved that's involved at that point. Mm-hmm. If there's some things that, you know, need to be corrected and, you know, um, the agents will get involved between the, the buyer and the seller and try to negotiate a compromise on whether it's a money credit or a repair that has to be done prior to closing. And we're involved in that all, all the way because if there is, are either of those issues, mo- uh, money credit would show up in a closing statement that we need to know about or uh, repair that needs to be done, you know, and the final walkthrough has to have that completed. So we know all about that stuff um, as the contract progresses towards closing. It's one of the things uh, a lot of my clients, they get nervous when they're signing a piece of paperwork. You know, if they're offering on a house and they fill it out and they sign it, they feel because, you know, in most situations when you're putting your name on the dotted line, you're like committing to something. You're like, this is final. This is my signature. It's important. And I'll let them know, look, I know that you're, you're still thinking about this, that you feel really good about it, but you haven't done the inspection yet. You know, we don't even know if this offer is going to be accepted yet. After, if our offer is accepted, there's going to be a three-day period where you're going to be able to talk to your attorney, talk to your partner, talk to your family, whatever. And then even after that, 
you're getting an inspection done. You're going to have seven days to do that. And then after the inspection's done, you're going to be able to review it with your attorney, review it with me, and then make a final decision on what you want to do. Do you want to continue moving forward and do some repairs? Would you like the seller to pay for that? So it's not even... Because like after the inspection, that's another opportunity for a buyer to potentially change their mind if something comes up Correct. and they didn't know about it. And so right. I feel like that puts people at ease. Absolutely. There's a lot of mechanisms within the time where they're looking at a house before closing that can give a buyer an out, so to speak. I yeah. Mean, certain things, specific things we could talk about, but there's a lot of protections in there for a buyer. Yeah. So then after the attorneys approve, the inspection is done, negotiations happen around the inspection, the seller agrees to throw in two grand to fix blank. Um, and then uh, a PINA is, is signed, which is the property inspection notice and addendum. addendum. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of outlines the agreement that the buyer and the seller come to about the inspection results and what's going to be done about it. It's a legally binding document. What's the next step after that? So you want to have like a simultaneous path. If the buyer is obtaining a mortgage, you know, there's language in our contracts that require them to act in good faith, right? Acting in good faith is they have to apply for a mortgage within seven days of the time of the uh, uh, contract, right? So just making the application with the loan officer is critical because in 31 years, I've had one case where, uh, the buyer didn't make an application within the required time. So technically, they are in violation of the terms of the agreement. And unfortunately, the deal went bad. And they pointed that out in depositions that they acted in what's called bad faith. And in New York, contracts um, are equitable, equitably based. You have to have good faith and, and you have bad faith, right? If you act in bad faith in your performance of duties in a contract, you could be sued. So you want to make sure that as a buyer or a seller, you're doing everything you have to do, your obligations within the terms of the contract, so it can't come back and and nip you, so to speak. Hmm. So they should be simultaneously applying for the mortgage, which is an application, probably takes 15 minutes. And then the banks in, in today's world could be 30, 40 days before they can have a decision on that. And that's another out for them. If they get denied, if their contract is contingent upon a mortgage commitment, and it's denied, that's another out for a buyer. Understood. And as the buyer's moving through like the finance contingency, if they're buying a house with a mortgage, what type of legal work is going on in the background? So um, almost immediately, once we know we have a deal, if I'm representing a buyer, I will, um, the, the seller's attorney in New York knows that they have to do, they have to update what's called an abstract search. Uh, in Erie County, an abstract is the is a lengthy document that shows the history of ownership of that property. And in our standards in Erie County, again, in every county in the state, it's different. But in Erie County, we do a title exam that goes back 80 years. So we look at that search and we look at all the owners and the liens and the mortgages and make sure they have good and marketable title from 80 years, the date this contract was signed 80 years back. So once we determine that, we also get a survey we prepare what's called a title report, a title commitment. Every bank requires a title report because what the title report does is it protects the bank's interest in the property as it relates to the mortgage. There's two portions of a title report. 
mortgagee title report and a fee title report. The fee title report protects the buyer. If 15 years from now, someone missed a lien, someone got sued and missed a lien and it didn't show up on the search, if that person purchased that title report, they're protected. If they chose not to purchase a title report, it becomes their responsibility even though it was missed by the searcher at the title company. So again, the most important purchase of your life is probably going to be your home. The most, the first most important purchase in the transaction is title insurance combined with the home inspection. Those are critical things that can't be overlooked in the process because it's a protection in place for the buyer and the bank. The bank is required. The buyer is optional. But quite frankly, after they talk to me for 30 seconds, they're buying the fee title insurance they get a discount when they have a mortgage and it's the best insurance and it just makes sense because god forbid something comes up that somebody missed <clears throat> at any point in those 80 years yeah the bank's required to have it so the bank's protected you exactly. have the option as the purchaser to cover your equity interest in the property whatever your down payment was and if you don't get your owner's policy you're not protected if that comes up that anybody could have missed in those last 80 years correct on that title insurance and they give the way the state runs the title insurance is if you get a mortgagee policy protecting the bank you're entitled to what's called a fee or owner's policy at a discount huge there are people that are adamant that they don't want to pay the extra two three hundred dollars on a five hundred thousand dollar purchase and just to mind that a little bit more that title search, it's just a chain of ownership. So whenever this started getting recorded back in the day, when a lot of this land around Buffalo was farmland, right? And Correct. some guy owned it, transferred a piece of that parcel to somebody else. And then it went to uh, Ronald McDonald who built the house on it. And then it went to his cousin and then their friend. That's what that title is. It's the chain of events of home ownership of that piece of land since Right. It started getting recorded. Correct. So is it possible that it exchanged hands like one or two times without being recorded and that's what no. the insurance, like? No. So New York is what's called a recording state. So whenever transfer of property is recorded, even if it's between friends or family, it has to be recorded in the local clerk's office. Once it's recorded, it's a public record. And then the title companies can search that. And say, oh yeah, last week Mr. and Mrs. Smith quit claimed their property to their son, and here's the record of it. Unless you record a deed, you have no legal equitable ownership in New York of any property. Okay, but as far as liens go, if there was a lien on it that somehow yep. someone missed in this process, how does that work? Where is that recorded? How right. would there be a lien that so is missed in that? There, that's the great question because not only does it show ownership, but it shows problems. For 80 years, uh, judgments in city court, liens, failure to pay taxes, uh, anything and everything. Again, New York is a recording state. So, so for a creditor to secure their rights against a person's assets or property has to be recorded in the county in which they live, right? So for an example, um, a searcher during the busy days, title companies would hire people off the street at $15 an hour to run out what's called a search think about that somebody's running out of search and they're getting busy on a friday afternoon and they're like i need to meet my friends 
I got to finish this. <laughs> and they miss a city court judgment against the property for $22,000. Doesn't show up on the search. So that search comes to us as lawyers, and we can only base our title opinion on what the title companies provide us. So if the title company missed that search, that 10 years later was of record, the title company is responsible to pay that judgment, not the homeowner. So that's how that works. And that's why you need to have title insurance. Okay. Right, to protect you. For so that. you're making sure there's no break in title that every time the property transferred, it was recorded. Yeah. In addition to making sure there's no judgments, liens, mortgages, mortgages, mortgages. on the title that the buyer is going to become responsible for once they own it. And to protect yourself, the bank's going to be protected no matter what. Mm -hmm. But protect yourself as an owner and get that secondary title insurance policy to protect your interest in your home. Right. That you just bought. Following up on Nick's point is let's say you buy a house for two hundred and you only want to have a mortgage for a hundred thousand. You have a hundred thousand dollars in equity in that house. If something happened in the title ten years prior, the bank's gonna be paid all the time with a mortgagee policy. But that extra hundred thousand in equity is subject to other creditors without you having a fee title policy. Mm. To then go collect that twenty-two in this example, that twenty-two thousand dollars city court judgment that wasn't caught, correct, would then come out of that hundred k equity that the owner has. Yeah, unless you had the policy to protect you. And then the lawyers are also initiating at the same time and making sure that title is good. They're yeah. looking at the survey. Can you speak a little bit about the yeah. process with the survey sure. and what that means? Not as complicated as a search, but a survey is um, the dimensions of your property. You know, you have a house on a lot. A lot of times in the city of Buffalo, you could have what are called, when back in the day, um, they would build houses next to each other. And like an eave or, or a fence would encroach on your land, right? Um, so there's certain standards that we have to follow um, to remove those impediments. Because if there's a, let's say you have a, a big backyard and your neighbor puts their fence 15 feet onto your land. Well, if you don't correct that prior to closing by either an affidavit or having the fence removed, that neighbor can claim title to that land after 10 years of what's called adverse possession, right? Um, with some other complications to that. So we look at the survey to make sure the, the legal description of what you're buying matches the survey, matches the abstract and search. So it all coincides for the same process. Right. It's 10 years after they purchased the house, then the neighbor could claim? It could be 10 years from when the neighbor has been encroaching on the property. It could be even a prior owner. So if it comes up at a closing, it's, it's a seller's responsibility to correct that title defect. So if that came up, and, and I would tell the seller's attorney, if I'm the buyer, that fence is 15 feet on our land, you need to go to the neighbor, either take it off or get an agreement that he has no claim to our property. That would be what we do as attorneys to make sure they have what's called good and marketable title. Now this type of stuff like doesn't come up too often, right. yeah. but it can. And yeah. that's the value of really having professionals on your side. Like, so like part of the job as a professional, like when repping a buyer or seller is to get them the best possible deal beyond a reasonable doubt for their interest in that side of the deal that they've hired you to help with. But it's to make sure there's no lie also to make sure there's no liability out that the client doesn't know about at that time in that transaction. So it's it's about representing their best interest and making sure there's no liability that exists that 
they don't know about in that moment, right? That they understand how this all works together or what could possibly be an issue and then how to get past it. And the relationship that the agent and the consumer and the lawyer have is very important, right? That everybody's on the same page. This is a team effort helping getting that consumer to the finish line. And when you're in sync, it's fun. When you're not in sync, there's problems. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm learning more and more, especially even during this conversation, like all these terms and all these things that like a normal person, even a newer agent, like has a hard time understanding. It's scary. Right. It's kind of scary when you start hearing all these legal terms and there's all this paperwork and you start talking about title insurance and search and survey and inspection reports and penas and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm just learning how much trust is so important in the people that you're hiring to, to work right. for you. We talked about how to vet an agent and, you know, lo- we talked with a loan officer and we're talking with you. It's like, I feel like it all kind of starts with the agents. The first person that, that somebody reaches out to. And it's so important for that agent to have people around them that they trust that they can recommend their clients work with. Because if you don't, if you don't trust the professionals that are handling all this for you, the process does kind of suck. Well, I go back to the, it's, it's a great point. You don't, you're not going to go to your plumber to have your tooth removed, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's right. the same thing. I mean, there's lawyers that do family court, matrimonial, personal injury, uh, litigation, right? Uh, real estate is, you know, whether it's residential, commercial, is a niche, you know, and a lot of times I see like uh, a buyer or seller says, well, I want to use the family attorney. Well, I could tell you half to 75% of the time we have a family attorney on the other end. We're doing most of the work for that family attorney because they don't do real estate. They don't understand the process. Exactly. And they don't know the documents that they need to provide. They don't know how to uh, collect the title curative so we could get to a closing. So we prepare affidavits mm. for them. A lot of times we do the job for both sides just so we can get it to the finish line. And oftentimes yeah. the way that conversation's had is like, sometimes there's people that want to review the contract with their attorney before they want to sign. But most of the time people understand the attorney approval period's there to protect them. So they'll sign it without necessarily having their lawyer look at it. But Eric, we're getting these contracts signed by buyers. Once it's fully executed, we have a deal. The next question we ask them is, hey, who's your real estate or who's your attorney? And most of the time people are like, I don't know. I don't have an attorney. Do you have one you could recommend? Or they do have an attorney. Mm-hmm. And then we stop and we say, okay, we understand you have an attorney. Do they practice real estate? Because if they don't practice real estate, there can be problems, especially when you're talking about this title search review. If someone who doesn't do this every day is looking at a title report for the first time or even the hundredth time, mm-hmm. what do they have enough experience to know what they're looking for to make sure that that buyer's getting what they've expected? Yeah, out of it? you don't really want a jack of all trades master no, in this no. kind of situation. No, it's a, that's that's a huge point because not only do we know what we're doing to protect the, the customer, it moves along in a lot smoother transition, right? Yeah. You, the last thing you want to do is you, you're telling a, a purchaser, "We'll close in forty-five days." And then we have these impediments because the other side doesn't know what to do and we're 90 days, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's the worst. Uh, that's another bad scenario. Yeah. There's a lot of professionals in this field that, that say those same kind of things. We work with a loan officer and, and when people are, you know, applying for their loan, they're going to go to a national bank or whatever that does checking and, 
you know, like all, all the different things a bank can offer, personal loans and whatever. And he'll talk about how important it is to go with a lender that only does that. They do mortgages. Mm-hmm. They know the ins and outs. They've, they've mastered one thing. They do it really well. And so, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of exactly what you're saying here. And speaking of lenders, I highly recommend the buyers go to a local um, a- agency, whether it's a national company, but having boots on the ground and loan officers here, critical. Yeah, you know, you can't, and they give, you, they give you their cell phone numbers and stuff yeah. too, right? Those telesale mortgage companies. Yeah. Yeah, but and the part of the problem is I look outside right now and it's starting to snow. <laughs> like a lot of times if you have a national lender on a deal and there's an issue at the appraisal, right? Something needs to be scraped and painted. That national lender or that originator who might be in a southern state or whatever doesn't understand that you cannot paint your house right. when it is snowing out. Yeah. Right. So those are the type of obstacles that mm. come up in that world where the bank's like, oh, sorry, you got to paint. And it's like, what? We can't right. paint. We can't fix concrete. We can't install a railing. We can't right. because of the weather. So a local lender is going to be more flexible to the conditions that exist at that time and where that house is because Absolutely. they're here. Absolutely. And they get it. They don't escrow in the South, like for new builds, for example. You know, they're, it's common up here when the house is ready that we escrow for lawn sometimes concrete work because the weather prevents us from doing that right. in a new build down south and and the west there's never those issues right they're in there finishing up planting the seed doing the concrete we have to wait for all that stuff national lenders like why aren't you putting the concrete in well it's zero degrees out we can't pour concrete yeah there's no plants the that are open around grow. here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so mark tell us what is the craziest situation you've had as a lawyer in the 31 years you've been doing this well as it relates to real estate um you know we like to keep sort of an even keel so we don't want to go crazy but there was one case in our albany office that um we had an out of country buyer during the you know very busy time they wanted to buy 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 um had a local person his his or her representative did the final walkthrough the morning of the morning before the closing and then ready to close everything's ready everybody's signing the banks on board that night the house caught on fire there was no deal deal ended after 50 days anybody hurt nope nope it was vacant something happened they don't know why could have been an electrical fire um but i mean not not a exciting thing but very unusual who who got the deposit back the, the buyer yeah the buyer yeah okay. because the liability <laughs> oh stays with the seller until you record that deed i've been watching maybe too many netflix shows or whatever i just feel like that there had to be foul play there and you know like who who's the one that lit the match and why <laughs> right you know yeah well thank the God day before closing hurt. right i know like what weird timing but what a tough spot for a consumer to be in like it let's right. assume it was an accident the seller was counting on x amount of dollars yeah to and had plans, I'm sure, established for that money. The buyer was like planning to close on this house. So yeah. now these people who just spent however much time like committed to this deal just all goes up in right. flames. Mm. Assuming hopefully the seller kept his homeowner's insurance in place. Hopefully. Yeah. Maybe it was an angry ex tenant <laughs> or something. Right. They knew the closing was tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, what makes your team the go to real estate lawyering team in Buffalo, New York? What about your team separates you yeah. from the pack? Um, I think I touched on it earlier is is it's not just necessarily about me and the lawyers. It's about the team concept with the paralegals. I think we have the best paralegals 
in the in the country, quite frankly, because we do see other offices in other states. They are so conscientious, responsive. Um, they care about uh, you know if we have if there's a bad issue and the consumer or the buyer seller call, they take the phone calls. They work through it. They're, they're highly educated and they can handle most, if not all of the problems that occur on a regular closing. Um, we like to be responsive. I have no issues, neither any of the lawyers in our office take phone calls at night or on weekends. That's what we do because we understand that the deals are made after hours. People are working nine to five. They're not going to look at a house generally from nine to five. It's weekends. So we can take mm-hmm. those phone calls and help um, you guys put the contracts together. Uh, responsive all the time, responsive to emails. One of my pet peeves is, you know, don't ever let an email go unanswered for more than 24 hours. It's got to be that night before you leave or even a phone call because people need to know. They want to be in the know at every point in, in, in the process. And Mark, and just circling back to like how your team has spoken about you, like that is what they said, oh. that they're respon- that yeah. you're responsive. So you've, you've made that a point that if you're going to be part of this process, you know, there's certain things that we need you to, certain ways we need you to perform to be part of our ecosystem to make sure that the consumer, the employee, and the shareholders and the, and the, yeah. the community, you know, uh, all succeed within absolutely in your world because you got to remember if we don't close the deal not it's about money it, we don't get paid you don't get paid nobody's happy and what we want to do is it should be a fun experience when you hand over those keys at the closing table there's a certain amount of pride and sometimes your skin you know your the the bumps on your your hair and your skin crawl right i mean it's it's an exciting time when you see the smile on their face yeah. i mean we've done hundreds of thousands of closings I still love to see that feeling, whether it's a commercial building or a residential building. When they say, I couldn't have done this without you, thank you. That's when you know you've had impact on that transaction. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. People are looking for a real estate lawyer. How can they find you? Where are you most active? So um, I primarily focus in Erie County, well, Niagara County, we're in Western New York. That's our headquarters of our company. So um, we have our website, www.blockandlongo.com. All of our lawyers and paralegals are on there. Uh, my email is mlongo at blockandlongo.com. And um, you could reach me at the office, 716-854-4080, or my cell, 716-864-7300. If, if I don't see or identify who the caller is, leave a message. I'll call you back in five minutes. Just to clarify, blockandlongo.com, is it and sign or A-N-D? A-N-D. Spelled A-N-D. out. Block and We'll make A-N-D. sure to put all that Longo. in the show notes, too, so people have something easy to, to click on. Mark, we, we enjoy working with you. We love uh, exceeding our customers' expectations with you on the legal side of a lot of our transactions. Right. And this is always, it feels like with Mark, it's always just the beginning because this dude is a freaking grinder. Uh-huh. Uh, he's expansion-minded type of dude. And uh, he'll outwork anybody. So yeah, we love and, that about you. And we appreciate you jumping on like right as we're just getting started with this podcast. Like our whole goal here is to make every real estate transaction inclusive, rewarding, and transparent. And this is a part of making it transparent, making it easy to understand for people who maybe don't understand. And so this conversation, we're going to add some stuff in the show notes. And hopefully down the road, we're working on better resources for people to be able to just understand what the hell is going on when they're buying a house, you know? Well, I thank you for having me. And and I'm very impressed with 
I've known Nick for a long time. We just got to meet uh, yeah. recently in the last couple of years. And uh, you guys are leading the pack. And I, and I really appreciate what you do for our industry, uh, your professionalism. You're, uh, you're always on. You guys are always on, I could tell, because we do a lot of deals. And you guys are top-notch. And uh, anybody looking for an agent or realtor, I would highly recommend you know, calling your team. So great job. Keep it going. And um, we'll get more deals closed. Let's go. Thank Thanks you, Mark. Mark. Appreciate your time. Thank you.